0: Get out the insurance cards, get out the co pays. The office is open, my friends. Brought to you by drrodo.com.
1: Welcome to Intentional Balks, Season 1, Episode 19. I'm Lou Landers. Find me on Twitter at Landers Talks, at my website, drrodo.com, and every Friday night, Series XM and the Armed Forces Network Sports. Overnight America. Check out my website, drrodo.com It's your one stop shop for everything. Sports, betting, daily fantasy sports, and fantasy sports. Subscribe and now use promo code LU. That's L-O-U for a nice discount. Of course, on intentional block, I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Mark Mancini. Mark, how you doing on this Wednesday morning? And tell me some of the awesome things you have going on right now.
0: Well, first of all, it's it's an honor to be a part of this great show with you that's sweeping the country and you know part of the sports byline xm series uh going on in three weeks wwdb am 860 out of philadelphia little liberty bell smack philadelphia style um and a lot of other things in the works and hearing the great things uh with you coming up in the future along with this Uh, Great Pittsburgh Pirates podcast I do with Tarek Brock. I'm uh, just so blessed. I I can see the stars aligning. Good things take time to develop, but uh, man, oh, man. The big man drives the bus. Everything's okay.
1: Yes, sir. And, you know, I'm not obviously a Pirates fan, but I've tuned into that podcast <laughs> a number of times and it is very good. It's very enjoyable, even not being a Pirates fan or even not that I don't like National League Baseball. I'm just much more focused on the American League, of course, because that's where my Yanks play. But lots to talk about here, Mark. Let's get into it. Your top five managers all time, Then, of course, all the playoff races around the league and things are changing in those races every single day. But let's start with the managers. Who do you have as your number five manager all time?
0: Well, my number five would be uh, Chuck Tanner from the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, when Chuck Tanner came into Pittsburgh, there was a trade and you really never really heard of a trade for uh, a manager. But Manny Sanguian, uh went to uh, Oakland. Uh, for Chuck Tanner and Chuck Tanner came into Pittsburgh. His personality was infectious, you know, a very positive, upbeat, uh, type of guy. And, uh, he got the pirates, uh, in to that, uh, world series against the Phil, uh, well, the, uh, Orioles, uh, the, the cheap competition battling the Phillies down the stretch and did get, get the, uh, reds in the playoffs and, and beat the uh, Orioles in that, uh, 79 World Series after falling behind three games to one was something else. Chuck Tanner, uh, he had to be my number five. I mean, unbelievable. God rest his soul up there in heaven, but I love Chuck Tanner.
1: Yeah, well, I probably would would take a wager that a lot of people wouldn't have him in the top five, but you being a Pirates fan and um, kind of everything you just alluded to, I could see why you would have him in the top five. Personally, for me, I couldn't have him there overall losing record as a manager, but certainly did manage some great teams.
0: Yeah, he was. I mean, when you looked at, you know, I alluded to earlier about the uh, uh, catcher being traded for him. You didn't even hear something like that, but Pittsburgh was hell-bent on getting a guy like him and, uh, you know, uh, got a championship with it. So I I really like what uh, Chuck Tanner did there.
1: It definitely worked out. So you have Bobby Cox... As your number four. And before you even start, I just have to say, I mean, I can't argue with you here. What he did with the Braves was simply incredible. Uh, that stretch of making the playoffs every single year. Division winners, multiple World Series appearances, winning one of those World Series. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see a stretch like that by a single team ever again.
0: No, I. when you look at the 14 division titles, one World Series. Uh, that's right up there. Would have to be with the Detroit Red Wings in hockey, 25 straight years of making the playoffs. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA, uh, I think it was 20 years, uh, making the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But to win a, a division, and you, granted, you know, Montreal could have won the division in 94 with that strike. I believe they were six games ahead of Atlanta at the time. But, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, kept the Braves uh, in content with that whole season being wiped out. But, you know, the pitching coming through Atlanta, the Averys, the, the Glavins, the Smolts, the Maddoxes, and just to churn out that you know, relief pitching with Wolders and guys like Rocker and everything, it was just simply amazing. You'll never see that again. And boy, I know the, a lot of people, uh, you know, say the one division, you know, the, the one World Series with the 14 division titles, he should have won more. But, Sometimes you got to let the chips lie where they may look at the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL when Crosby and Malkin were there, they lost some games they should have won and maybe they could have had more cups, but, uh, remarkable to say the least. You'll never see another team win 14 division titles in a row.
1: No, you won't. And one of the reasons why Bobby Cox and the Braves did not win more World Series is because of a manager we will talk about down the line on this show. But before we get to him, we have two others. Tommy Lasorda is your number three all time. Tell me why.
0: Well, I think Tommy Lasorda changed the landscape in Los Angeles. He started to mix Hollywood celebrities in with, you know, Dodger baseball. Walter Alston, you know, was a good, kind of a stoic manager. But I think when Tommy Lasorda came there, same kind of style like Chuck Tanner, that infectious personality. Loved to have fun. You know, he could have been a promoter for Italian food and Frank Sinatra uh, records and stuff. So I just liked the whole landscape. I think he opened up Los Angeles where it it got the Lakers involved with the whole showtime with the celebrities and stuff like Jack Nicholson. But what Tommy Lasorda did was simply amazing. Loved his ballplayers. Loved the city of Los Angeles. Loved the Dodgers. Bled the blue. And uh, he, he was my number three, hands down.
1: Well, the fact that he was with a team, the same team, for over 20 years is an incredible accomplishment to begin with. One win shy of 1,600 for his career. Um, So, I mean, I can't can't argue with you. Picking managers is so completely opinionated, and a lot of times you'll even hear people say, was it really the manager or did they just have great teams? I think a lot of these guys in particular were just great managers, great baseball men.
0: Exactly. I mean, when you looked at him, I I think when you think of Dodger baseball, that core infield, of, you know, uh, Say and Russell and Lopes and Garvey and everything and just the Dodgers battling the Astros in the playoff game and uh, just the uh, World Series and everything and the the Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, sticking his hip out and everything with Lasorda running out there. I just think Lasorda was just he was good for the city of uh, Los Angeles.
1: Definitely. Number two, you have Tony La Russa. And I got to say, I'm not a fan of him in today's game. I think a lot of things have changed in today's game. I think the players are treated differently. And I think there's a lot of things he does that are questionable. But he certainly has a great team this year with the White Sox. There's also, of course, no denying the success he had across four decades in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and even after 2010 third most wins all time with 2,728. I can't argue with Tony La Russa being here, Mark.
0: Well, I think when you look at La Russa, when he first started with the White Sox, he thought, okay, young Italian guy, you know, coaching the Southsiders. And then I think he really found his uh, uh, strength when he went to Oakland. You know, he was instrumental in taking Dennis Eckersley, who's a good starting pitcher, but kind of, you know, was a middle-of-the-pack third, fourth guy uh, when he finally went to Chicago, uh, the Cubs. And then they got him to the A's, transformed him. He's, he was very uh, – probably the pioneer of starting, you know, taking a starter and making him a reliever. And, and it, it was unbelievable what Eckersley did with Oakland. Then you had McGuire. You had the Bash brothers can say go – the A's were something there. You, you know, he, he took a Dave Stewart and you saw what Dave Stewart was with the Dodgers. And he just went over to the A's and he was just lights out. So I think he knew, you know, how to build ballplayers and mold them to where he thought, you know, their strengths were. And then when he went over to St. Louis, you know, the Cardinals were always, you know, right in the thick of things. You know, a lot of people thought when he went to the White Sox the second time around, this is a guy that, you know, time's passed to buy and everything, but Look what he's done to the White Sox. I mean, you know, he's he's got these guys playing good ball and everything, and
1: people can say, "Well, the division's crap," but you know what? The team is, is also guy. incredibly talented. I mean, yeah. they were good last season and are just better now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he's he's still the guy in charge, so he definitely deserves the credit for it.
0: And well, not only that, he looked at you know, uh, taking you know he front office position with the diamondbacks and stuff and learning the front office positions and everything so he educated himself he adapted to what needed to be done and you know yeah you still got that you know uh, old uh, guy's rule mentality but i think he's done an admirable job and he's, he's for manager of the year you know years later after people looked at him with his best days with oakland and st louis
1: yeah and he gets a lot of credit for those Oakland days. Certainly St. Louis too, but I would say his most success was in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, St. Louis, I'll tell you, you know, unbelievable what he did with the Cardinals and everything and kept him in the hunt and everything. And
1: two really yeah, two God. different generations of Cardinals yeah. teams as well. He started with one, was successful, and then as things kind of turned over and certainly still had some players from the older generation into the newer generation, he won again. So he, he certainly, he had his hand and his fingerprints kind of all over that team. Let's get to our number one manager here. Well, your number one manager, it's Joe Torre. And as a Yankees fan, he's my number one. Too, I can't argue with you here at all. Growing up in the Tory Yankees era, there's there's no other option in my mind. It's him and then everybody else. Four world championships, went to six World Series in twelve years. I mean, we talked about Bobby Cox. If it wasn't for Joe Tory and those Yankees, the Braves might have won two more world championships.
0: Well, not only that, when you looked at Joe Tory in the middle of the pack, you know, uh, uh, ball player, uh, playing, uh, with the Cardinals and stuff. And then his manager, you know, with the Atlanta Braves, I remember in the 82 and stuff and, you know, they, they kind of came up short and he had, you know, some, you know, throwers over there when you had Steve Bedrosian, you had Rick camp, he got him into the playoffs, but he kind of fell out of favor in Atlanta. And then, you know, he found a home with the Yankees and, you know, playing, you know, uh, under George Steinbrenner over there, where you, if you're not producing, they'll get rid of you in a hurry. You know, just listen to Derek Jeter's speech about uh, George. You always had to look over your shoulder who's coming up and replacing you. But you know, from George Steinbrenner to getting rid of the Billy Martins and all those guys and Joe Torrey was a common influence there in New York, winning those titles. And I think to me, uh, playing in that, you know, firework atmosphere, uh, if anybody can handle it and win under that kind of pressure, uh, Joe Torre had ice in his veins and Joe Torrey was the best because you look at baseball players playing in New York, case in point, Ed Whitson, you know, some of these guys couldn't handle it, Hideki Arabu, God rest his soul, but Joe Torrey, just a common influence on the clubhouse, with a lot of marquee Ball players, the Mattingly's, the Jeters, the Rivera's, and the list goes on and on. So Torrey
1: actually never even managed Mattingly, believe it or not. Mattingly right. actually retired uh, right before, but taking over that team from Showalter. In 96, with a young Rivera, with a young Jeter, with a young Pettit, uh, really before Posada's time, because it was Joe Girardi at that point. I mean, uh, a lot of people say, oh, well, he just had a great team, and in 98 through 2000, I would say so, but in 96... The team was good, but they weren't expected to win. 97, uh, they got beaten on, uh, uh, I think it was a Sandy Alomar home run in the division series, but again, got to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, Tory did it, incredible things. And um, I'd like to give an honorable mention to his bench coach at the time, Don Zimmer, who I think was another oh, tremendous baseball guy.
0: Well, and not only that, if, I think if you take a poll with even the, the, the past ball players, Reggie Jacksons and all that, and some of them say, might say, hey, it was nice to play for a Billy Martin or, you know, Don Manley, you know, uh, talking about Walter and some of these other guys. I think if they had to vote for one manager out of all the managers that, in you know, if you took the generations, probably from 70 to now, I think uh, Joe Torre would win hands down.
1: Yeah. And what's the most remarkable thing to me about it is the New York press and the papers and everyone, when they hired Torre. They said it was a huge mistake. Not one person was like, yep. oh, great move by the Yankees. George Steinbrenner made made a great signing here. Torrey's going to be a great manager in New York. They
0: all doubted him. They all thought he would fail. Yep, yeah, no, exactly. And turned the tables, and boy, I'll tell you, went on to Major League Baseball and, you know, contributed in so many ways and, uh, you know, just a great, great guy. And I had a chance to meet him years back, and boy, I'll tell you, he, he, he is uh, advertises what he is, a great uh, individual and uh, a caring individual.
1: Absolutely. We'll move things on to our playoff races here. We'll start in the American League. I think in the East, it's safe to say at this point, Mark, the Tampa Bay Rays are going to run away with it. They have the best record in the American League. They actually have, I believe... The second best record in all of baseball, one behind the Giants in the loss column. So they're just firing on all cylinders. Uh, Yankees, nine and a half back. Red Sox, 10 back. Blue Jays, 12 back. So with AL East, we can kind of hand to the Rays. AL West, Houston, doing pretty well. Five and a half up on Seattle. Six up on Oakland. I think it's kind of wrapped up. And then the AL Central, same thing. White Sox, 10 and a half up on Cleveland. The rest way behind. The real races. Here is the AL wildcard, and it looks like it's going to come down, really, to the AL East. Behind Tampa, you're going to have the Yankees, Red Sox, and Jays fighting for those two spots.
0: Well, not only that, I told you to keep your eyes on Toronto. What they did to Oakland over the weekend uh, was simply amazing. They came back, they pummeled them, and then they've been taking the Yankees apart here. So uh, the playoffs has really started for Toronto now uh, since last week, so they know what's at stake and. I kept telling you, just you gotta keep your eyes on these guys. If that pitching comes around, Mats is eleven and seven, Robbie Ray's up for consideration, Cy Young, keep your eyes on the Blue Jays. They're starting to swing them bats. And 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 that's why when everybody looks at Oakland and Seattle and all this, I'd look at a bad division and I just look at you know, when Oakland has to play like Houstons or some of these Bostons and Yankees, you know, they they, they, they're just a different animal. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, and, and now you're starting to see what Oakland and Seattle are made up, but you're right. I think Toronto's going to figure out a way to get in there. The real question is, who, who are they going to be facing? Is it Boston or the Yankees? Yeah,
1: and it's crazy because a week ago, 10 days ago, it was really, didn't even look like Toronto was going to be in, but they're 9-1 in their past 10. They've won six straight games. The Yankees have lost four in a row. Boston's lost three in a row. Yankees 2-8. In their last 10. So the Blue Jays have gained seven games in the past 10 uh, just on the Yankees alone and can continue to do it today and tomorrow. They have two more games with the Yankees by the end of uh by the time Friday rolls around, Jays could be half a game behind
0: the Yankees. Yeah, that's simply amazing, man, when you look at it. And not only that, I think the Yankees have been stumbling. You know, they had the A's down in that series out west and then they kind of stumbled. I don't know what that road trip did to them. They took Atlanta, you know, apart, and then they went to Oakland and started out strong and then lost the last two, and then they kind of struggled in Anaheim, losing two out of three, pretty much so. It honestly feels uh, like they have a
1: bit of a West Coast hangover. They got to the West Coast, started off okay, and then just kind of fell apart since then and just have not been playing well. At the same time, though, we've seen them go on a crazy stretch like the Blue Jays have done. If I'm the Red Sox, I'm the most worried about them, personally. They really—they went from being in first place to third, soon possibly to fourth in this division, and really haven't looked all that great since even before the All-Star break. Since the All-Star break, at least we've seen the Yankees and Blue Jays put together some really nice stretches. And overall, I think both the Yankees and Blue Jays are more talented than the Boston Red Sox.
0: Yeah, the Red Sox pitching's gone south a little. I mean, Sale's been a light stare. Out pitcher coming back, and but, you know, with Verdugo and Hernandez in and out of the lineup, that makes, you know, it, it tough for the uh, Sox to, to get more power in that uh, lineup because that's their strength. But, you know, Cores keeping them in the mix of things. I think this team, when you really look at it, they, they had another West Coast swing out here where they struggled out here, uh, you know, with the, the A's and the uh, Angels. And it takes a lot out of you when the, you, 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 you know, come uh, 3,000 miles away, case in point. I know we're going to get into the National League real fast, but the Braves are making two West Coast trips uh, in the last 30 games pretty much to the West Coast. That's, that's tough.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be very telling for them. Uh, they're going to be facing teams they'd probably have to face in the playoffs should they get, out should they get there and somehow get by the Milwaukee Brewers, which I'm not sure that they would. Uh, but yeah, in the National League East, Braves, Phillies, Mets, all separated by four games. I was kind of writing off the Mets for a little bit, but they've come on strong, eight and two in their past ten. Philly seven and three in their past ten. Braves have won two straight, but still four and six in their last ten games. So the Atlanta Braves starting to slide the littlest bit. Uh, With the Phillies and Mets both playing good baseball, this division could come down really to the final week of the season. I still will take the Atlanta Braves. I think they're the most complete team out of the bunch. I like what their lineup has done. They're getting much better starting pitching now. The bullpen has been better as of late as well. Luke Jackson really making um, strides there in the middle of of the the pen. Uh, Of course, Richard Rodriguez and Will Smith and so on and so forth. So I do like the Braves. But there's reasons to like the Phillies, too, with the top of that rotation, a good lineup, just a struggling bullpen. And with the Mets, I feel like they just have not had a healthy lineup for most of the season. But they've been hitting the ball a lot better lately, and we know they can pitch, even without DeGraw. So if they can continue to hit the Mets, they might fight their way right back into this race as well.
0: Well, first of all, I'm not going to take a team that's 500 very serious, and the Mets are at 500. Uh, you know, and when you look at the Mets, the thumbs down approach there with Baez and Pilar and a few of these guys is kind of weight on the, the, the fan base there. I think it comes down to the, you know, uh, Braves and uh, Phillies. And if I'm the Phillies, I circle the wagons because the Braves in another couple of weeks are going to make another West coast trip. They were just out here, got swept in LA, struggled in Colorado. And when they come back out here in another couple of weeks, they're going to be going to Arizona, San Francisco, and San Diego. The Phillies are done coming out to the West Coast. So that's where you're going to – if you're going to catch them and you're going to stay within striking distance, that's where you want to catch the Braves. Uh, meanwhile, the the, the Phillies, are get, you're going to get a stretch where you're going to get the Orioles and the Pirates for four. So you got you got to take advantage of this to, to pick up on them. And if they can't take advantage of this with the Braves coming out, to the West coast. And I think the Phillies really got to look at themselves. And the, not even that, striking forget
1: distance. about the Braves, Mark, forget about what the Braves are facing. If you want to make the playoffs and you have games against the Orioles and the pirates this late in the season, let's say it's seven games. You got to win at least five, like you have to well, go five and two that, in those seven games.
0: Yeah. You, you closed the last week with the Mets and Braves. So you really control your own destiny. There's no scoreboard watching like there is in the West Coast where the Dodgers are done playing the Giants. They got to see what the Giants are doing right now. You're doing scoreboard watching with three weeks in the season still. That's that's unheard of. But the Braves and Phillies aren't really, you know, especially the Phillies aren't really having to do that because they get the Braves to close the season pretty much.
1: Yeah, the Phillies just need to take care of their own business and let the chips fall where they may. In the NL Central, it's a runaway for the Brewers. They're 11 games up on the Reds, 14 and a half up on the Cardinals. Uh, They would need an epic collapse. And with the starting pitching and bullpen they have, I think they can avoid those long type of losing streaks. The NL West, of course, interesting with the Giants and Dodgers being a game apart, but that's going to come down to just how well they play. As you mentioned, they're not playing each other. The real race here, besides the the NL East, is the NL wildcard race, which, uh, as we've talked about a number of times, three, four weeks ago, looked like it wasn't a race at all. Now, all of a sudden, you have the Reds and the Padres tied um, the Reds have played two more games, though. They have one more win, but one more loss, so the Padres have a chance there. And the Phillies. The Phillies are actually closer in the wild card now, just two games out, and they are in their own division. So they're a team that they really have to start to watch. Um, you mentioned the Braves and Padres are going to be playing. The Phillies need to win those games, but those two teams are playing, because they're gaining ground no matter what.
0: Yeah, and the Padres got the toughest stretch down the uh, row here. They should have took advantage of the Angels uh, last night they didn't they've got the Angels today, then they got three in uh Los Angeles against the Dodgers and you know they, they're you know going to be up against it. They still got a four game series with the uh, Giants in San Francisco, then the Giants go to San Diego. the Dodgers host the Padres again uh towards the end of the uh, month uh, and then the Padres got the uh Braves here, so they've got the toughest stretch out of anybody and they're going to have to write the ship there and like you were talking earlier about Blake Snell. He's been yeah, liked he's out, their, like he's there
1: to- he's their number one right now. If you're if the Padres get into the playoffs, uh you have to pick a game one starter. You would have thought it was you, Darvish the first four months of the year right now if I have to pick, I'm going Blake Snell and hoping he can match uh match a guy like Max Scherzer pitch for pitch through 5 6 innings and then turn it over to the bullpen.
0: Yeah, Scherzer's just been lights out, man. This is the kind of guy I look at when they made them, you know, the Doyle Alexander trade years back. You pick up a guy, Scherzer's 5-0. and He's a bulldog. He's driven. This, I, You know, I don't really care for the Dodgers, and you know it as well as a lot of other people, but there's some Dodgers there that are really respected. Scherzer's one of them. Kershaw's another one. Pools. You look at these guys, man. They're Hall of Famers. You're in a dugout with these guys. You absorb it like a sponge. And if I'm Walker Bueller, he just got lit up the other day, and his Cy Young might have took a turn for the worse to bring Zach Wheeler back in this. But, man, learn from you know Scherzer and Kershaw there if you're Walker Bueller.
1: <laughs> Great points there. Absolutely. And Walker Bueller is obviously a fantastic pitcher for the most part. Uh, certainly had a bad start as really any starting pitcher can have at any given time. But the races definitely the wild card races are fantastic. And that NL uh, West and East are just definitely very good as well. Any final thoughts here on today's episode or moving forward?
0: Oh, man, I'm jacked up, man. My buddies are saying, hey, look, talk about the best stadiums across the country, you know, stuff like that. What are some of the best cities with the best food? And oh, man, there's so many things to talk about on Block, my brother.
1: There is. There definitely is. And I'm just excited for uh, as the playoff races continue to heat up. And then once we get into the playoffs breaking down, although we might have to move to uh, twice a week during the playoffs. Yeah yeah exactly
0: i'm ready for you brother
1: all right all right i'm with you too man i'm always with you this is intentional Both brought to you by dr com. come to dr roto.com subscribe get access to our staff in the members only discord channel you can subscribe using promo code lou that's l-o-u for a nice discount mlb nfl nba nhl pga esports dfs fantasy sports sports betting and more elite tools, elite staff, great people, come check us out. Thanks for tuning in today. Lou Landers with Mark Mancini. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drrodo.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.